You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between. If you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and just like the title implies, we cover all things hunting gear and equipment, from discussions with the top manufacturers to product reviews from past hunting experiences. Our goal is to provide you with reliable and unbiased product information in hopes of educating you on new products and assisting in future purchases. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast starts right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Johnson, and today we are doing a follow-up podcast about layering systems and hunting clothing. Uh, this is a follow-up to the very first podcast that we ever did, and uh, it just took a while to get all the... Uh, uh, everybody's schedules to line up for me to get this one out. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking with Chris Derrick from Sitka, and we're going to be talking with William Spaulding, the president of a new company called Fleet. And uh, basically, we just ask them questions about their process, ask them questions about their products, their product line, what goes into making a good garment, so forth and so on. And uh then they get, you know, they talk about their companies. They talk about what their inspiration is uh, going into designing new products and uh, all that good stuff. So a pretty short intro today. That's what this podcast is going to be about. It's the follow-up podcast. But on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, this is another podcast that we do. Uh, we're doing a giveaway uh, on the, uh, through the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and I figured I'd just extend that giveaway into this this uh, podcast as well. So if you want a, your, a chance to win a prime bow, uh, some uh, let's see, a unit from Ozonix, some wasp broadheads, uh, ripcord arrow rest, then you need to head on over to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page Take a look at the post that is pinned to the top of that page and follow the instructions on how you can win a prime bow, an Ozonics unit, some wasp broadheads, and some, and a ripcord arrow rest of your choice. And uh, yeah, so go do that. It's 
an awesome giveaway. I pick one winner when I get back from my elk hunt, which is in like two weeks, uh, and that's when I'll pick the winner. So enough, enough of the intro. I kick off this podcast when I talk to Chris Derrick of Sitka about what his role is in the company. Yeah, um, the way we work is uh, for each of our hunt categories, uh, we have somebody in charge of the product line. So for big game, um, we have somebody leading all the product development for if you're pursuing elk or mule deer or antelope, uh, somebody in charge of waterfowl, a separate person. And my entire role is developing products for whitetail hunters. Um, so any type of product that I, I develop is really designed about the, around the needs and the fit for use applications of the whitetail pursuit. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm just going to start off at the beginning here. When you sit down with your team and say, hey, let's design uh, a, a garment or an application for the whitetail hunter, what kind of thought process goes into that? Uh, a lot of it has to do with, uh, what the type of year seasonality. So, you know, if it's something for early season application, what are we going to want this product to uh, accomplish versus late season where, you know, you're going to be commuting into your stand uh, and then adding layers for, for a cold weather sit. Um, So that's really when we're tackling um, uh, a new product development is, is, is looking at what the, the needs are of the hunter for the time of the year. And then um, if we've got something in the line that maybe we're updating and, and we're trying to take it to the next level versus something that uh, we've never done before, nobody else has ever done before, uh, how can we make the best product for that situation? Gotcha. So I know you guys have a lot of individual garments and you tend to you you guys tend to advertise those as layering systems and whatnot when you go to design a specific garment how much do you take into consideration some of the other garments that are already out there and how they can be matched with something that you've already created or what you're going to create yeah i mean that's super important uh, everything that we we develop uh we try and look at the systems approach. So what other layers are people going to be wearing with a, what, even what other types of products that are even not apparel are they going to be using and how will they interact with that? Um, so that's a really important approach in uh, systems thinking. Uh, you, you don't want to develop something that um, doesn't uh, operate with one of the other layers it's designed to work with. Gotcha. Do you happen to have an example you could share with us about how, you know, a new garment fit in with an old system or a new system, you know, brought in a garment that you guys have already been had on the shelf, I guess. Well, uh, I mean, just, uh, I guess since it's, it's more recent, uh, uh, the fanatic, uh, one of the updates when we went through and redesigned that system, uh, I did want it to interact a little bit better with some of the mid layers that you might wear under it. So, you know, just something as simple as opening up the neck collar uh, a little bit just to allow, so when you're stacking uh, different collars and then you're layering zippers so they're not sitting right on top of each other. So hopefully that when you're wearing it, you don't have two zippers sitting right in the center of your chin, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I once saw a, a quote from somebody within Sitka that says, you know, we don't make hunting clothing, we make hunting systems or, or something along that uh, along those lines. 
are there specific, I mean, when you guys design, let's say the fanatic, the fanatic series, do you guys design that those garments to only work with the fanatic series? Or I know there's some other series and there's some other um, systems within the whitetail feet or the whitetail category, I guess you'd say that kind of go along with whitetails can you mix and match those or are they like if you want if you want this to work right you got to buy these specific garments well i think it depends on what type of hunting so there's certain layers uh that that we have as far as base layers those might go across different categories um so you know the core lightweight something base layer next to skin that's going to be able to work across any category. Um, it, 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 and the main thing that you're, you're putting in when, when looking at that is what pattern that you want it in. So those, uh, an item like a core lightweight hoodie is going to be a core lightweight hoodie and big game. It's going to be the same in whitetail, but then as you move away from your base layers, that's really where you're going to get into, um, fit for use, um, specific applications like, if you're chasing elk, you're not going to need a safety harness port in the back of your jacket. You know, you're, you're going to need, um, durability, light, fast, all those, uh, types of things that maybe come up in importance versus whereas quiet may become, uh, more important to you, um, for, you know, the type of hunting when we're pursuing whitetails. Right. Now I kind of already asked you this question high level earlier, but, when designing a specific piece for whitetail hunters and and not just overall, but just specifically for whitetail hunters, what are, what are like the check boxes that you have to cover when, when designing that piece? Well, uh, a lot of it has to do with the, the way that we hunt. So typically the way whitetail hunters approach things is that there's going to be, uh, a, a period of active as you're walking to the tree stand, you're, you're climbing the tree, you're getting ready. Those are where you're going to be, um, uh, going to be generating sweat, uh, where you're going to be moving and generating your own body heat. Um, and then you're going to go into a static sit. Um, so that's where developing where moisture management, where you can be able to push moisture out of your system, uh, you're going to be allowing people to go and layer uh, in an easy way inside of the tree stand. So uh, I always tell people, you know, set your base layer, um, plan for your commute. That's the walk to your stand. How are you going to get there with as minimal layers as you can? Then once you get in your stand and you start to cool down, uh, then you're going to either don or doff layers, depending on what the temperature is doing. Um, and all of those, uh, all of those, approaches that that a whitetail hunter would take to the pursuit are what we try and incorporate the gear so you know allowing them to uh, hunters to be able to layer easily uh in the tree stand is really important and maybe venting on their bottom layers because you might be committing to your bottom layer for the walk-in um but it's easier to um you know to go ahead and uh add your jacket, uh, as you sit down in the stand. Um, but then also making sure that that jacket, um, for example, interacts with your safety harness tether. So if you're wearing a shoulder mounted safety harness tether, um, you know, making sure that the tether, when you add your jacket, isn't running out against the back of your head, you know, that's not very uncomfortable. Or if you're wearing a rain jacket, how are you going to run a safety harness tether, 
out the back of a jacket um, versus, you know, having it come out of a hood out beside your face. That obviously doesn't work. So those are all things that are specific to the white tailor's pursuit that we have to address. Gotcha. Okay. Now, uh, again, in regards to creating uh, a piece of, you know, a piece of garment or a piece of clothing or gear for, for the, the whitetail hunter. What comes first when, when you talk about the design, do you come up with an idea and say, okay, here's a jacket and then reverse engineer it back to all the way to the material? Or do you start with a piece of material that may fit a certain function and design a garment based off of the process? It can really depend depend on the product. If we've already got a textile that we know is good or a proven textile, uh, that may be one way that we would uh, up, approach it is, hey, we've got this and it's good for these purposes. But I think you have to look, the, the number one thing that you have to address is what is the problem that people are facing or how can we make this, make something that serves people better for this type of application and then then you sit down and start figuring out, you know, is it form or is it uh, textile materials? And, and, you know, what do we need? What properties out of that textile are we hoping to get? Um, so that it can be a mix of both, you know, just the form um, that the product is, i.e. The, the features that are on this versus the textile, it moves moisture this fast or it has these clo value or warmth properties. Those are all things uh, that you really have to look at each individual case. Okay. Now, it's almost like the same question, but I want to talk just about the material used uh, that you guys use for a moment. Now, would you say, and I want to use merino wool, for example, because, you know, when someone talks about merino wool, uh, like for me, I'm pretty green on on different varieties of merino wool maybe, but I know what merino wool does. Is there a, a way that a merino wool uh, garment is constructed that allows it to perform better? So, so basically, the, the material is the same, but the process dictates how it functions. Yeah, uh, that's I, I'm, that's a really good example of what you're talking about. Um, you know, I when people are setting their base layers, I typically find out if they're a synthetic they prefer synthetics or if they want merino. Um, I think that's critical. And then once you've decided, okay, I'm going the merino route, um, then uh, we really offer three different types of merino inside of our whitetail line, depending on what the product is. So as far as your base layer goes, there's a lightweight, which is a nylon core spun. So this is an ultra fine, ultra lightweight merino. But the reason we use nylon core spun is imagine almost like a nylon core essentially with merino spun around it and the reason that nylon's in there is because what happens typically with uh regular merino if you just use it in that form you wear it for a while and it just keeps stretching if that makes sense and uh and then becomes baggy the nylon uh, allows it to be have a lot of great recoverability you can wash it just like a regular garment uh, you know, you can throw it into the washer. You don't have to worry about it coming out already, um, you know, shrunk three times smaller. <laughs> so yeah. that's a that's a key performance um, thing that we put into our wool. So it's a, that's the durability on the lightweight. And then on our heavyweight side for uh, seasons when it, when you're getting later into 
um, cool to cold conditions. Uh, our heavyweight merino is engineered in such a way where there's a synthetic against your skin so that when it's knitted together, the, 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 the synthetic sits against your skin and the wool sits on the outside and it's a heavier 290 gram wool. And the reason we do that is to pump moisture away. So the, the synthetic hates moisture. It's going to want to get it away from your skin. The wool loves it. And so the great thing about that is sometimes heavyweight wools, when you wear them next to your skin, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but maybe a real clammy feeling that you get when you wear a heavyweight wool and an itchy feeling, uh, it solves both of those problems with it. And uh, so I love to use that throughout the season. And I think from a whitetail's perspective, perspective that's really where wool excels um so that's something we do for our uh, heavyweight wool and then even for like our gloves we wound up with a nylon face on the outside so if you think about like when you're wearing gloves they're going to be interacting with the tree um so they actually have a nylon uh, face on the outside with merino against your skin and a medium weight uh wool so those are the three different wools, and we really pick out the type that we want for the style of product we're using. Gotcha. Okay. Now, when it comes to, you know, like the the cost associated with something, you know, like let's say, hey, man, I got a really good idea, and I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. Uh, I don't know. My, my example would be something that's as light as a – you know, one of your lightweight core hoodies or a, a lightweight core uh, shirt, but it insulates like one of your Calvin uh, backcountry, you know, something that just it's the technology is so awesome, but it's caught the cost would make it like $2,000 retail or something like that. You know, that's just a crazy example. But do you guys ever have to scrap ideas or, you know, just say, Hey man, this, this would be awesome, but no one's going to buy it. And just the, the, the cost of producing it would just be too great. There are, there are times you have to make that decision. Um, you know, hopefully that you've started something beforehand, uh, and, uh, you, you kind of know where, where maybe where you want to get to, but there are certain things that are out there and you can just say, Hey, you know, people aren't ready for this, you know, let's yeah. sit on it and wait on it for a while. Um, you know, uh, that, that does happen. Uh, hopefully it's not, um, occurring too often, but we're always, we're always playing uh, when with new things. I always, I always say it's kind of funny when I go out, uh, and, and, and hunt cause, I almost never hunt with the same thing twice um, because I'm, I'm not like a normal situation. Every time I'm going in the stand, I'm trying to do something new, trying to learn something new. Um, that way I can either figure out what went wrong or, or what we can do to make things better. So I'm always trying new gear, which makes me a little bit different from a, from a hunter standpoint, uh, uh, my main purpose when going out there is is just trying to figure out how to make products better that I'm wearing. Right. So you get a little bit of research and development in with every hunt. Every hunt is. Every hunt. is uh, I can't even take my personal. So I'm still doing the same thing, so. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so you know, for for the guys listening, you know, layering systems can be a little bit overwhelming if you if you haven't done the prop, proper research and stuff like that. So if 
if there's a guy who's listening to this and they say, man, I, I want to, I want to get a layering system or I want to start the process, which way would you point them as far as maybe a specific style of garment or a, a good place to do research or wherever that would get them the information they need to make a, a good purchase? Yeah, I, I think, uh, um, first of all, is just setting your foundation. If, if you have a really great performance, um, oriented, uh, base layer system, uh, then you may not need to go ahead and start there. You may already have that in your kit. If you don't, and what I mean is don't go out wearing a cotton t-shirt as your base layer and a pair of, um, you know, old cotton, uh, you know, uh, against your skin type stuff that, that maybe you've had sitting around for a long time. If you don't, have a performance oriented base layer in your system, you need to start there. That's the, that's the most critical piece of the system. Because if you take a 300, 400, $500 outerwear piece, but then wear that cotton against your skin or that non-performance base layer against your skin, you're not going to have a good experience. And the reason is because of moisture management. You're not going to be moving moisture away from your body and, and it's going to lock it into the system. And you, so you're going to feel cold. So all of that money you spent on your outerwear pieces is really wasted. If you haven't really set a really good foundational base layer, um, then, uh, if you already have that in your kit or you've acquired either the synthetic or the wool base layers we talked about before, then start thinking about, you know, what types of, of, um, items you need to add to your kit to get started. Um, you know, a lot of place where I'll tend to have people go just to get them through is the Stratus system, which is Windstopper, um, and with a micro fleece, micro fleece face and a micro fleece backer. And then, um, that typically is one of our most versatile systems. So it's just about anywhere in the country. It's going to get you through a major portion of your season. And then you might add some insulation under that. That's like our Celsius midi jacket, maybe a fanatic hoodie, core heavyweight, you know, um, bottom, uh, which is like the underlayer pant. And you're going to put those on under it. And those are really season extenders. So you can, you can add that piece of windstopper, which is the stratus on the outside um, as the temperature cools. And then you can go through and add some insulation under that. And maybe if you're not in like Minnesota, for example, uh, you're going to get pretty far into the season. You know, as long as you're not doing those late season food sources hunts, um, you know, the stratus is going to get you pretty far through almost the rut in every single state. Gotcha. So, so kind of backtracking a second, what you said is if you're going to build your layering system, one garment at a time or one level at a time, you would suggest working on the base layer first on, and then out from there. Yeah. Just make sure that you have that in your kit and then, and then figuring out what other outerwear pieces. Another great resource too, is if you just call Sika's customer service, um, I mean, everybody that works in the customer service department is a knowledgeable hunter um, and, uh, and can help you figure out what the right system is for you because it is an investment. Uh, you know, a lot of people will spend a lot of money on their bow. They'll spend a lot of money on, you know, their firearm. Um, but if you're going out there in cheap gear, 
you know, you're not going to have a great, you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to be cold. And so investing in good gear is actually going to make your season way, way better because you'll be comfortable throughout the season. You're going to use that every single day, every single hunt that you go out. You're not always going to take an animal. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a great bow in your kit, but don't, don't, uh, short, don't be short sighted in the fact that, you know, you can just wear anything out there because you, you can be, you can be a lot less bulky in those cold weather situations and a lot more warmth, have a lot more warmth or move a lot more moisture just by having a good, um, apparel gear system in place. Gotcha. Now, how do you guys address building a garment for different body types and, and whether that's the, the shape of a body or how a body functions like, Hey man, I, maybe I sweat a lot versus a guy who doesn't sweat a lot versus a guy who's got long arms versus a guy who's got short arms, you know, that kind of, that kind of thought process. Yeah, we will, for example, long arms, short arms, we try and offer a system in tolls. Um, for uh, everybody so that somebody who's tall can at least have a system that uh, works for them. Not every single product will be in tall, um, but the key ones like a, a Stratus jacket will be available in a tall, and then you can put uh, the bib or the pant, which are also available in a tall, um, and you can have each one of those in your system. So basically somebody who's very tall could sit down and build uh, a, a good system, um, and, and have, uh, you know, adequate product like the fanatic uh, jacket, for example, may not need at all because of the way that the arms are designed. Um, so, uh, that one is not available in the tall, but the bibs are, gotcha. uh, so those, those are, those are key. And then a lot of like our, our bibs, for example, have an internal waist adjustment, uh, which allows you to pull up, um, some of the, um, uh, the girth, um, and so that allows it to approach most body types. Um, you know, that's, that's what we try and do. Uh, you know, you can't fit everyone that's not possible. So we try and, uh, use, um, certain body forms that we have here and have a standard fit, uh, that we're always trying to get to, um, to, to roughly, uh, fit. And then we'll build, um, either more girth or less girth into a, a style, um, depending on what layer it is, whether or not it's like a performance fit or a standard fit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, that's uh, a lot of information packed into a, a short, short period of time. Do you have any kind of any, I don't know if you're able to share anything new or exciting that's coming from Sitka on the whitetail line that uh, guys can expect either this season or the next season? I, I think the big one that's, uh, that everyone's been mostly excited about is the new Fanatic system. Uh, that's a full system approach from uh, new Fanatic hoodie, new Fanatic jacket, vest, bib, and then uh, an ultra quiet pack that we've developed. So I worked with an outfitter out of Alberta. His name's Jim Hole Jr. Um, he is what we, I would refer to as the silent fanatic. Um, he takes silence to a whole new level because where he hunts and he and I laid out that pack, uh, together or everything that we would need in a pack and, uh, really designed, uh, a whole pack with no loose buckles, 
no uh, nothing that you could accidentally cling off of a stand. It's really a specialist pack. So anybody that's just totally fanatical about being quiet in a tree stand uh, and sacrifices all, everything to get to a new level of quiet, that's the pack for you. It's not one for everyone, but that pack's really designed around being ultra quiet in the stand. If you guys want to find out more information about Sitka, go to their website. Tons of great information about their company as a whole, their products, and their product lines. Next, we talk with William Spaulding. Uh, He's the president of a new company called Fleet. And uh, he basically breaks down everything about their company, why he feels they can compete in this space. And that is the first question that I ask him is about how he feels that a brand new company, a brand new apparel company can compete in today's market. We feel like there's a huge opportunity uh, in terms of high quality gear that's at a competitive price point. Uh, A lot of competitors in the space either uh, charge really high-end pricing for the high-quality gear. And so if we can find ways to cut out costs out of the system and pass that on to the end consumer, uh, we feel like there's a huge opportunity in this space right now. Gotcha. So what then consists of a high-quality garment? What makes something high-quality? You got to really look at the fabrics and then look at the application of those fabrics. And so our company fleet is solely we're a deer hunting company. And so we we started off in this area and we'll look to expand beyond that. But so we look at the application of, all right, how can we deliver a high quality fabric that goes to the end consumer? And so when you look at like early season, you know, you can layer merinos, you can do all sorts of cool stuff, but there's fabrics out there that if you're willing to go look for and willing to build it and source it, uh, that could be a sole line, sole fabric that will cover you uh, for a larger, broader spectrum. So if you're willing to put the time, the energy, and scavenge the earth for the right fabric, uh, it's there. And then once you find it, it's really important to look at how you source it, how you import it, how you build it, how you design it, um, because there's ways that cost can slowly tickle up. And uh, like everything, it's going to end up getting passed on to the consumer. Um, and so with our model, we're looking to find ways to get out every cost out of the system. Okay. So provide us an example of that. What do you guys do differently than let's say another direct to consumer, uh, clothing line that helps you save money so you can pass that savings on to the consumer? So one of our, actually one of our most popular garments is an alpaca lineup and it's an alpaca merino blend. And if you're familiar with alpaca, it's mostly like a high-end garment that's like in women's apparel, but it's actually a really, really uh, strong fiber. So alpaca is much like merino, but it is a, uh, it's a hollow fiber, which allows you to uh, capture more warmth and more wicking properties, if you're familiar with this. And so we scavenged, and we actually found an alpaca farm here in the U.S. that was able to source it, and we literally went straight to the farm, we sourced it, and got it all produced here in the U.S. and then manufactured in the U.S. Now, not all of our lineups are done that way, uh, but for the alpaca stuff, we were able to find it direct from the farm, source it, uh, build that yarn here, and create a really cool lineup. And so it's not like we went to the Merino company out in New Zealand. We didn't go to a Torre fabric line. Some, you know, Some of these larger, more branded fabrics uh, we went straight to the source to find something that was really cool that had high-end properties for what we we're trying to do, 
and then build it. Gotcha. So then when it, when it comes to, uh, the difference, it's not necessarily that you offer a Merino garment and an alpaca garment. Your garments have a mixture of both your base layers. do. so I'll use the alpaca as an example. So alpaca straight in itself, if you had 100% alpaca, it would be um, a weaker fabric. And so we we looked and saw that there's opportunity with merino. You blend it with a merino, and you get the, the softness of the alpaca, which is from next to skin layer. It is super, super soft. Uh, and then But then you get more of the strength provided from a merino-type blend. And so you get a best of both worlds. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So when, when you guys were creating this company uh, and decided, Hey, we want to put out a high quality uh, garment, but we want to do it direct to consumer to make it cheaper. Um, what did you do? Uh, how did, how did the process start? Because instantly, like as a consumer, I look at your company and I want to know who are you better than? Who are you equal to? Um, how does your stuff compare against the top ends, you know, the top end brands like Kuyu, like First Light, like Sitka, or are you guys middle of the road where it's, there's, I feel like within the past five years, there's been an, uh, several other companies just like you open up without being too blunt. Yeah. Oh no, there's hundreds, hundreds in this space now. And so uh, what we looked at is there's no one out there that is truly targeting uh, the deer hunters of the world. Um, the, and I, when I say the people that have truly done this, I think real tree mossy oak, they've dominated this space. They've done an outstanding job. Um, and so when I look at like the Kuyus and the Sitkas of the world, there's, there's people out there buy their garments. They have awesome stuff. They have excellent quality. Uh, but they're not, they're not born and raised deer hunters. They've not done, you know, they've not done the trail camera surveys. They've not done the year round food plots. They've never sat up in a tree stand 24 hours, you know, looking for that one buck you've done. And they don't know truly what it is. They're mountain hunters. They, they've taken a Western application and created cool stuff that applies. And so we look at it. All right. Digital patterns. They, they have their place but they've not truly translated into the successes of deer hunters. And when I say the successes, like I'm comparing them to real tree bots of the dominant players out there. Right. And so we looked at it and said, it's the foundation of our apparel has to be our camouflage, our design. And so we went out and designed our own apparel. We didn't license it. We didn't go shop this out. Literally, this is us sitting on the Photoshop saying, how would we want to do this? You know, yeah. what's the right camouflage pattern? And so we built it. Yeah. We did it personally in our own software. We didn't pay for it. We didn't, well, we paid for the Adobe software. But, and so we designed it ourselves. And so we looked at who we thought were the best camouflage companies out there. So we looked at like, you know, Predators out there, yeah. uh, ASAS out there. The, you know, the companies that have been around for 30, 40 years in the camouflage space. And uh, we looked at them and said, you know, hey guys, they have a solid pattern, but they have some gaps. And so we said, let's do a breakout design pattern, which if you're a deer hunter, you know, that's the, that is a superior uh, design from a camouflage perspective, but then let's make it look cool. Uh, you know, I love ASAT. I love uh, predator, but it just, it has some weirdness to it. And personally, I don't think it's uh, 
personally to me, I don't think it's as desirable looking, uh, but it has superior functionality. So let's try to combine best of both worlds. Let's try to combine the sticks and leads of the world and then combine that with a breakout pattern to have a functional uh, camo design. And then from there, we then said, all right, let's then look at the superior companies out there. They're doing it from superior design and fabrics. I immediately went to Kuyu. Uh, Kuyu does awesome stuff. Um, they've taken some really cool fabrics and put them in a, in a, uh, a functional designed aspect and sold it to great, uh, hunters out there that are out there chasing, uh, goats across the mountains. But for deer hunters they you know, they're walking 300, 400 yards. So, you know, if my dad has to walk to a deer stand, if he walks more than 500 yards, he's done. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> not, not going to be the guy packing in with the ultralight gear up a mountain. You know, that's just not him. Most deer hunters are walking 200, 300 yards to their deer stand, and then they're going to climb up in the stand or sitting in a redneck blind. Right. And so you have to look at that and say, all right, from a deer hunting perspective, how can I design garments that serve that need? Yeah. And then how can I design it in a functional way? And when I say a functional way, I mean, you know, I know the sick cause, you know, I own sick. I have their gear. I have gear. I have first like, I have all of it. Uh, but you can't design gear that like you have your early season, your mid season, your mid to late season, your late season. Like at the end of the day, you're going to end up racking up five, 10 grand in gear to have their full lineup to be covered for the entire season. When you don't need to do that, you could have a more functional system that is like maybe an early season and a late season, and they work in tandem. So you can wear your early season as your kind of more founding base layer and then throw on a, uh, a puffier jacket that provides insulation in the later season. Gotcha. And so we're not looking to, you know, see how much money we can extract from the consumers. We feel like that we, if you partner with us in this endeavor, we're going to be your kind of like, Let's give you the best gear for the right price and then also service you that you can get a full lineup and you're not going to spend, you know, a month's worth of paychecks uh, to serve this need and you're going to be successful. Right. Uh, everyone talks about wanting to expand access to hunters and stuff and get more hunters out there, you know, using the gear, you know, teaching young guys how to hunt. The biggest aspect, the biggest barrier to entry, I feel like, is price point. And for deer hunters, we're out there buying, you know, the tractor equipment, we're leasing land, we're out there planting seed, we're doing trail cameras. You know, we only have so much money to be successful. And so when you go out there and you read all the news articles, you're getting hit with all this stuff saying you got to do this, this, and this. And that's all money that's being racked up, racked up, racked up. And so we got to think, all right, our gear is part of a pot of money that's being devoted to these hunters. And they're looking at, all right, I got to do this, this, and this. I got to kind of budget it. I got to think through what can I do this season? What can I do next season? And uh, if I'm a new guy entering into space, I'm not, I can't afford all this. Yeah. I can't afford to do this. And so we, you got to look at it from a deer hunting perspective. You have to do it economical and you got to design functional stuff that works for them and delivers value to them immediately. And then if they partner with us in the long run, uh, they'll get a full system uh, they'll be more successful and they'll be happier and uh, they'll want to expand and say, Hey guys, here's some good stuff that works and it's functional and it's, it's got a competitive price point. It's not going to break the bank. Uh, and we're aligned with their mission and vision, what they're trying to do in the deer hunting world. Gotcha. Now you mentioned you're focusing on the deer hunter. Uh, I take it. This is the, the, 
you know, the Midwest, the South, the Northeast, you know, the, the white-tailed deer hunter, typically, like you said, tree stands and ground blinds. When you started putting these garments together, what did you think that the whitetail hunter, from a garment standpoint, needed to have a, you know, needed from a, I guess from a standpoint of, we're going to, we're going to design these garments first and, uh, you know, and then we'll expand from there. So uh, in order to launch your company, what did you feel that the deer hunters needed uh, for you to start your company? You need to have garments that cover basically the full spectrum. So you need to be warm from what we say is traditional 30 degrees to 60 degrees um, type model. And it's got to be windproof. It's got to be waterproof or not waterproof. It's water resistant. Uh, we're not, we're working on rain gear, but like, you're not going to sit out like a deer hunter's not going to sit in pouring down rain. That would be, you know, downpouring out. You would get down on your stand, walk back and wait until that kind of slows up. But if it does rain out, our gear, you're not going to get wet. It's going to have that DWR water resistant treating on it so that you're comfortable. Uh, that's the aspect. It's not going to be, you know, the coos, everyone else has like rain gear. Deer hunters aren't going to sit in the downpour in rain. You know, they're going to get down, go sit in their truck until it waited out or go back to their house. And then eventually when it clears up and starts flowing up, you get back out there. And so you needed something that allowed you to stay comfortable, stay warm, stay dry uh, for those stints in the stand and then get back to it. And so we designed the Phantom Series specifically for that. And so you're going to be warm in, you know, 30 degrees to 60 degrees in that type of pattern. Uh, just wearing this Phantom uh, series lineup. And then if you want to get warmer, like in the kind of the traditional Midwest where we've been real successful in Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, you throw on an insulating layer underneath that and you're pretty much bulletproof for the whole season. And that's where we've kind of put our puffy jack in. So you got a windproof lineup, you got water resistance, you got insulation. Um, you're going to be warm. Trust me. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so then you kind of, so you said we need a base layer, uh, we need an insulating layer and then we need our shell, which is your pants and your, your jacket. Talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the details of these garments, uh, that you added in. I don't know, like, uh, are the zippers quiet? Uh, where, yeah, so we worked on the zippers, the zipper was the, the ventilation. And so we put in ventilation zippers because, uh, you're not going to like, I was, I'm going to compare it to the coos of the world because everyone knows them, but you're not going to like layer up. Uh, you're going to wear your garments, which you wear the same. You may take off your jacket, but we put in zippers ventilation. So you're able to put on your system essentially when you're leaving the house or when you're getting in, walking in the stand and you can open up the zippers to ventilate, to cool you off, to dump the heat out of the system. And then once you get up in the stand, you, you kind of cool off from your walk in. Uh, and then you throw that zipper back up and all of a sudden you're good to go after that. Uh, <clears throat> we've worked on high-end YKK zippers. They're the best-in-class zippers. They're silent. We spend a lot of time with how the fabric uh, works together. And so, you know, from a, I'm a bow hunter by trade. And so I can't have a fabric that's like makes a lot of noise, especially when you're drawing and you got everything. And so that had to have an impact. So like how the fabrics work together and when they rub together, you're not going to get any noise. And then also how the sleeve design works. 
being a bow hunter, you can't have the, you know, the big puppy arms or the lots of arm. It's just got to be more of a tighter fit. So then when you draw back, you're not like whacking your clothes or when you let, you know, pull back and draw and release it's get the, you know, the bowstring's not going to hit your arm uh, or the fabrics because you're, you know, in isolations either mode, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So any other, any, anything else like the way the pockets are designed or little components or, you know, the thumb, you know, I, as a, if I had my, uh, way in the world and I could tell pass a law I would make it so that every long sleeve base layer had a thumb hole in it so that so all it, uh, that's for sure every every <laughs> one of our garments I those are, that's just a given in my mind everything has a thumb hole in it from like our base layers uh all the zippers are silent uh they're all you know work together all of our garments uh have a DWR treating so you're not going to like you know is this water resistant? Am I going to be good in this? Like you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, even our vest, our vest is water resistant and it's got four way stretch and it's got a fleece liner uh, and it's windproof. It's a vest, but you know what? Uh, I like to have a superior vest. I'm a vest guy. So I, when I go bow hunting, I pretty much wear, you know, my alpaca shirt uh, and then throw in my vest and then a soft shell pan and I'm good to go into the 40. But that's me personally. Yeah. Uh, and it and I'm good. And so if it rains, my arms might get wet, but I'm fine with that. Uh, but my core chest, where most of my heat's derived from, stays warm, stays dry, and I'm good. Gotcha. All right. So, and this is just an assumption. I'm looking at I'm looking at the your website fleet.com, and I am seeing that a majority of this stuff looks like it is. Um, at like an athletic fit type of uh, uh, clothing. Can a big boy wear the, wear this clothes? So no, no, the big boys cannot wear the, the current lineup. That is, and so maybe we could, I could kind of give you an explanation as to yeah. how this came to be. We started off, so Fleet's the name, uh, and it's Athlete Without the A, and uh, we built our niche around the athletic deer hunter. Uh, guys that are out there that work hard, they hunt public lands, they're walking in. Um, and so it was the, the branding or everything that was built into this was the foundation of like an athletic, uh, individual, uh, or an active lifestyle individual that, you know, believes in that aspect. And so all the garments were built for those types of individuals. And as we've become bigger and bigger, we've started to, the need to kind of expand. And so we're working on right now just expanding the sizing adjustment. And so how you crosswalk a double XL, triple XL, or some of the smalls and extra smalls uh, to, to be more cuffing so the big boys can wear it. Gotcha. So it, it may not be available now, but it will be. I would say yes. In the next eight, uh, eight months, we will have the big boys lined up. Uh, and we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, that is more drive towards, uh, the whitetail hunter and, uh, the warm season, which we see as a huge opportunity, um, at least for the deer hunters. Gotcha. So you, you got your, your initial offering out right now. Uh, you mentioned that you got some more cool stuff coming. Uh, what can, what can, we expect to come from your company in the next couple of years, as far as additional garments, what direction um, are you going to go from, from there? 
from what you currently have. So, uh, so we're going to expand on the deer hunting um, for uh, as we've grown and our niche, which was the Midwest and North area. Uh, as we start expanding further south, we're getting more and more feedback for our greener palette uh, from a camo perspective. Yeah. And so as we're talking to the Georgia boys, the Florida boys, um, they want something green. And, you, you know, the, the camo pattern from a deer perspective, they, you know, they see in shades. And so a brown is no different than a green, essentially, that, you know, you're covered. But there's a consumer aspect of wanting to have that that greener palette and so you'll see in the next six months a gr- we're coming out with a green color color scheme that's going to be as sharp as it is now but it, it's it's the same pattern but it's going to be with green tones uh and with a small brown and then we're also working on a lot of uh more niche type items and so you're going to see lightweight gear that's going to more drive towards like uh what you'd see for like rain gear but it's going to be there's fabrics out there that are like next to nothing that can be worn next to, you know, a base layer next to skin type item that's waterproof, not water resistant, waterproof and windproof and um, is super, super comfortable with, you know, nice stretch. Um, we actually, it, it, I, I, you know, I'm a, I, I ride a lot of bikes, I ride motorcycles. And so there's a lot of garments out there that are derived to like the cyclist. Sounds funny, sounds weird, but that is like the most lightest weight garment that's waterproof, brimproof, everything for these guys that are riding in like sub-zero conditions, you know, 30, 40 miles per hour. But it's also tight fitting because they have to have uh, the lightest weight gear when they're riding their bikes. And so we're taking the application of a cyclist and how can we apply that to a deer hunter so that guys that are hunting in Georgia, Alabama, and Florida in the hottest, hottest of the heat. And that we can wick the, you know, wick the sweat away, can be windproof, waterproof, so that when they get these sudden bursts of uh, showers that they're covered, uh, and is also comfortable and cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, you know, and I think that you're starting to see that a little bit more within the hunting industry, mostly in garments, because I think that's where the crossover, the, the biggest crossover is, but other industries that have superior products that could be used in the hunting in the world of hunting right like like you said that that particular uh, fabric or a shoe or a boot or whatever a glove or something like that as you guys start to expand can we see anything from socks gloves hats anything like that oh yeah so you're bringing, i'll go through i need to do so you're going to see uh uh, a, a hoodie type item. We're going to have more base layers coming out. You're going to see socks. Uh, you're going to see a lightweight pants. You're going to see some technical shell material. That's where I was getting at with, you know, what we're pulling from the cycling world. You're going to see uh, a superior vest type item. That's kind of a 2.0 version of our vest. Um, you're going to see some hats and you're going to see some gloves probably in the next year. Gotcha. So by the time uh, next hunting season comes around, you're going to have uh, sounds like quite a bit of new of new uh, and you're gonna, items. And you're, and we're going to have offering in solid colors and uh, two camo colors, uh, kind of our traditional browns, what we call deadfall, and then we're going to have a greener palette. Gotcha. 
Okay. All right. So let's say someone listens to this and they say, oh, man, I'm interested in this company. I, I, I want to go to their website. I want to give it a try. But they have a budget. Um, what are the first, let's say, two items that they want to, that you would recommend uh, they pick up to get a good idea of the quality and performance of, of your products? I would recommend to get the Phantom, either the Phantom jacket or a puppy jacket. Both are $149 on the website, $149 and $179 on the website. Uh, and then, or, and, or the vest and just, just order that the vest is $99. Um, and just to get an idea if you want to step up, the alpaca is more expensive uh, from a traditional uh, base layer, but it is a superior, superior fabric. I can't, I can't iterate that enough. And so, but I don't recommend that for the entry level guys. If you just want to see something cool uh, and see what we're doing, those three garments kind of encapsulate everything, you know, waterproof, water resistant, windproof, uh, insulation, and it's just a really cool garment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, anything else you want to say about the company or the products that, uh, you know, the listeners might find interesting? Yeah. So I think one thing that, uh, we're also focused on is, you know, the lower cost is to, you know, we're really focused on investing in people in our own team. We see a lot of companies out there, they outsource a lot of items. Um, we're looking to build a team, and so, I, you know, it's funny, people want to get into the outdoor hunting world, but they don't know how to, you know, you know, you see people now like yourselves, you know, forming podcasts out there, reviewing gear, like people are trying to find ways into this business. And it's like, it blows my mind that it's so difficult. Like, how do I go, you know, my passion is hunting. How can I align my passion with how I make my money? And so we're out there like, all right, did, you know, to deliver gear at the cheapest point, you got to invest in people. And so we're looking to build a team. And so people are out there, you know, if you're looking for work, like if you live in Tennessee or anywhere, like we want to partner with you. Like we're looking any way we can to build out the greatest team uh, and investing in people. That is so important to us. It's one of our core kind of principles of our business is, you know, investing in the people so that they join our team. You know, your biggest advocates are your employees. Right. And so when you when you outsource and you hire marketing firms, all this stuff, you get a great, great service. Don't don't get me wrong there. But when you invest in people and you help them, you partner with their families, you know, you help them, you know, in the woods, everything. It's a different relationship. And so we think that that is absolutely crucial for the success of fleet long term is you have to invest in people and get the right team built out and get the right people working across the country, driving the, driving the brand, invested in the brand and the experience. And then you can deliver that. They're going to look, think through like, how can we do this better? How can we do this for cheaper? How can we get more hunters out there? You know, those are the people that are going to make the people, the company successful. I'm only one person. And when you go hire, you know, contracts, you know, they're not truly invested. We're out there investing in people uh, to drive this brand. That's our whole stick. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So if someone wants to find out more about fleet, where should we send them? Send them to fleet.com, T H L E T E.com. Uh, we are working right now. So you're going to see a different website here probably in the next three weeks that's getting upgraded. Uh, so it'll be a different, uh, experience. And then 
We're working on uh, developing some uh, video content. You'll check us out on Fleet Camo at YouTube and then uh, Fleet Camo at Instagram. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Chris and thank William for hopping on the podcast and talking about their respective companies, the products, so forth and so on. If you guys are not yet subscribed to the Hunting Gear Podcast, you can do that on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Please go and leave a review and then hit us up on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page or the Sportsman's Nation Instagram page or wherever. Uh, Hit us up. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Send us a review. At the same time, we want want your advice. Uh, What would you like to see us discuss on this podcast? Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about trail cameras. The week after that, we're going to be talking about what's in our whitetail packs. And, uh, And then from there... The schedule is wide open, so hit us up with any recommendations, any feedback. Uh, We want to make this podcast your podcast and and kind of the direct source for all things hunting gear and equipment, hence the name, The Gear Hunting, or The Hunting Gear Podcast. Uh, Really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Thank you very much for following along. Good luck out there, and we'll talk to you next time. 